Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. The official Vegas Golden Knights podcast is back again. Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave. Hashtag SLGND. A pit stop in Vegas for the Golden Knights and a 5-2 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. Reaction to that before the team shoves off to Edmonton and Vancouver. We try to pinpoint why Vegas is so good at home. Seven wins in eight games. Also, what a defenseman rotation might look like. A Hall of Famer debate, 80s hairbands, and a look around the NHL. We have a special interview with League Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Then in our Razor Fold segment, how do the guys feel about choreographed celebrations? And how about the fact that we're seeing fewer fights in the league? We've got the three stars, the fact check, and much more. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. From our studios in Vegas, the Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave podcast, episode number five. Hashtag SLGND. Of course, it's always brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of our greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek the, to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers. So, Dave Gosher along with Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all in our studios here in Vegas for the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Quite a show coming up. We're going to take a look uh, later on. We're going to have a special chat with Bill Daly, the um, Executive uh, Commissioner of the NHL. I guess Deputy Commissioner of the NHL will be the proper title for him. We're also going to have our quiz later on. Take a look around the NHL. Take a look at the Pacific Division. Of course, the uh, Golden Knights sitting in second place right now in that division. The L.A. Kings are the only team ahead of them, and L.A. will be here coming up uh, later on in the week on Sunday. But before that... Welcome, guys. We got a road trip, longest road trip of the season. Got settled back in briefly. Another road trip here to follow, but uh, this has just been what an opportunity this is to sit down and visit with you guys again. This is too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> That's sarcasm. No, 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 no. no. Well, I'm not. It's laid no, on thick. No, no, no. This is. Um, this team, you know, we had we had the road trip guys, and and for the team, didn't go certainly from a wins and loss standpoint the way they wanted with with just the one win. But to be able to get back home here the other night and just another um, another convincing win over a very good Winnipeg team, Gary, and to move them to seven and one, seven and one at home. I mean, they've been near dominant in the at T-Mobile. It's interesting. I talked to James Neal on Saturday night, and I was asking him about you know coming back from the road trip and how important that that win against Winnipeg was to get their confidence back. And he said, we didn't lose our confidence. We thought we played great on the road. We thought that we had a few letdowns and, you know, the Boston game could have gone either way. And, you know, we, we really pushed in Toronto. We really pushed in Montreal. And he said, sometimes you're going to lose on the road. It was six and nine and it, with two back-to-backs. And because we're not making excuses, but we know in our room how we played and, we, we talked about just going right back out and applying that same uh, effort against Winnipeg. All that being said, it is pretty apparent that there's something special going on for, yeah. for these guys in this room. I want to hear what Sheriff has to say about this because uh, it, clearly there's a confidence or, or there's a hunger. There is something a little bit different 
when they play at T-Mobile and seven and one. Very impressive. Well, you've said the word twice, and is it as simple as saying confidence? It is. It is the number one factor, I believe, individually and team-wise for players. You, you look at guys, why do they have a slump? Well, they're not confident players. And, and the word gets tossed around. You hear coaches talk about, we're a confident team. It's a confident player. The word probably overused, but it is so true, especially there's a feeling you get as a team at home, and they've been able to build that. They build that by playing the right way, and and then when you get confidence, that allows you, maybe you're not at your best for that full game, but you find a way to win games. And we've seen that at home. We didn't see that on the road. They played, they have not yet to put up a full 60-minute stinker. And eventually it may come, but they have yet to do that. They lost the games on the road. But even you go back to the Islander and Ranger game, they dominated for 30 minutes against the Islanders and 40 minutes against the Rangers in complete control. Fell apart didn't find a way. They've got to build that on the road. They are a very confident team. I think the atmosphere certainly sets up. I think all the emotion and energy that was there in the building in October with the events that happened helped build that, that they went out. They had a little extra. They had another gear. And it's continued. I think they feel when they come home, they step onto the ice in that building. The fans are roaring. There is a confidence level right from the get-go that, hey, here we go. We're at home. There's a special feeling they have. And I believe right now it's that simple. Confidence is the hardest thing to get in hockey, but once you have it, it is a fantastic thing. And, and, and teams that win in the that win the cup, that's it's another major factor to them going that far. They jump on teams early too. You know, Gerard Gallant was starts. telling us the other day their starts. You know, especially at home, they put teams on their heels. They put pressure on them right away, and they put pressure on teams where they make it. You remember last year? I think it was last year they were talking Shane about the Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not saying the the Golden Knights of the Penguins, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about the pace they try to play. And I remember teams saying that the Penguins played at an uncomfortably high pace for teams. You know, in terms of, you know, Gerard Gallant talks about all three zones, five-man units, and how quickly they get on you. And I, I would imagine to play against that, you know, and maybe it's not for a full 60 minutes. There's going to be lulls in games. But as an opponent, as a defenseman going back to get the puck, knowing how hard they come at you at some point, you'd be like, God, are these guys ever going to let up? And it seems like they don't most nights. Well, exactly. And here's another point. We've all been around. I'll ask you guys. I think Gerard Gallant, we talked to him before this game. There's always been, you talk to coaches around the league. I've heard it for years, that first game back after a road trip. The Edmonton Oilers are going to be in that situation when the Golden Knights meet them next. They're coming home uh, after a long road trip. There's usually a letdown game that first at home. We talked Gerard Gallant. There's like... I don't. I love his. No, I don't know. I think we'll be fine. The same as back to back. He has no issue with back to back. Well, it's another game. Three and four. There is no excuses at all that he ever puts up in that situation. And you do hear around the league coach. Well, you know, we got to wear this first game back after road trip or a back to back game. We've got to find. He never puts any of that on the table. William Carlson, two goals the other night. So you, you talk about guys. So you're an expansion team and players, and we've we've discussed this, guys. Players that. I think a lot of them feel they have something to prove, right? And, you know, they've kind of talked about chip on their shoulder and whether they, they do or not, whether that's a little bit created just to kind of give them a little bit more of an edge, whatever the reason. Somebody like William Carlson here, lawman, that six goals all the last year. He's got six already, and we haven't even hit, you know, November. Well, 15th. he had uh, 
twelve. He had twenty five points last year. Yep. He's on pace for. I got to get this exactly right because I know Duva's watching. He's on pace <laughs> for sixty one point five points. Good red oh pen. I won't, even, I won't even round that up, Dan. Yeah. No calculator. No, I already got Carlson's hockey uh, <laughs> hockey DB page up right now, so yes. I'm calculating as we speak. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I just did that. So <laughs> that's nice to know. Yeah, uh, that's no lie. I'm looking at but, but more importantly, I think is. You know, he was in a situation in Columbus where he was pl- played on the third or fourth line, and I think he had a voice that matched that spot. And now I asked him yesterday, Saturday, what happens if one of your teammates isn't working as hard as the rest of the group? His response was, we come in here and someone will say something to him, and the response is always the same. That guy then goes out and works his ass off, to catch up to everybody else or exceed them. And that, so it's like not only is Carlson exceeding expectations in terms of points, but also he's he's been given the opportunity to have a leadership role because uh, this is leadership by committee and they all look to one another. It's not just one guy standing up and saying, here we go, this is the way we're going to go. It's everybody pulling on that rope. And I think, Shane, when you get that opportunity to, to invest not just with your physical abilities, but with your mental and emotional abilities, it can take you to another level. I think all the guys in the room have a piece of it. That, that's something about being an expansion team. There's you're not coming in and there there's no you know order of who's at the top bottom. Everybody came in at the same position. They all feel they're a part of it as as a leader. I think the move to center has been fantastic for for William Carlson. I think that's had a big effect. Watched him play in the World Championship. Sweden won gold last year. He was a big player in that team, and he played center there. And let's not forget, we talk about the work ethic and something that's ingrained in these players. I think George McFeen and their staff knew exactly what they're doing when they pick players. And love them or hate them, you play for John Tortorella, that gets ingrained in you. Yeah, him sure. playing in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the season they had last year, the pace that was demanded every game, the expectation of the work ethic that's uh, you know, expected from John Tortorella. Well, you know, he's a young player, so now he's learned that that's the way you need to play. He's carried it over here, and I he has that voice. He has confidence. Uh, we'll use that word again. And I think a little bit more comfortable maybe playing in the middle of the ice. You mentioned, the, the you know, what McPhee knew what he was doing. That group of players that are, you know, from 22 to, to 25 that didn't have opportunity in other places, you know, Theodore... Uh, Carlson, well, they went and got Subban on, on waivers, but he fit that mold. They wanted to get him in the expansion draft. He wasn't around. That, those type of players. Tuck. That, Tuck. Where they go from here is going to be, to me, the real fascinating. Because it's almost like he had he had two drafts, three drafts. He had the, the veteran guys that were going to help him right now. There were these players that were young and had been underutilized. Noshik. Carrier, mm-hmm. Carrier had been underutilized in other places. They were going to grow and become kind of his core. And then the draft picks that he assembled as well. Um, it multi-layered uh, approach to this expansion draft. McPhee and McCrimmon, it, we're going to go over it again and again and again. This was a stroke of genius. That, that's, you can go with the whole you know? scouting staff. Everybody yeah, exactly. had it. They, they, they yeah. went over mock draft after mock draft and... 
to, to, to pull it out the way they did. And you could mention, mention Eric Hollow. We could throw all those names yeah. in there. These guys that... That, that Pete, Riley Smith, you know what I mean? That piece of that those yeah. younger players that still have a lot, lot... They still have growth ahead of them. And that's going to really... That's, it'll be fascinating to see as he shapes this team moving forward. Some of these guys, he's got a bunch of UFAs, pending UFAs and RFAs. The contracts that he doles out in the next six months, you're going to see, he's going to play as, he's going to show his hand to a great degree with a lot of these guys if they sign for three, four, or five years. I know he feels too, Gary, that the only way, he's kind of talked about this either with us or even, I think he mentioned in one of his press conferences, the only way you're going to do this long term is to, is to do it through the draft. Yeah. There's well, no absolutely. magic elixir out there. You know, if you look at teams, you look at, you know, that team he built in Washington. You look at the high-end guy, I mean, we you know, Ovechkin, Carlson, Holtby. Winnipeg might be the best example of right. it in the NHL. They were right. just here, yeah. right? Let me throw two things at you on that, guys. N- number one, when you see those young players doing what they're doing, to what degree, and I'd be interested in what Shane thinks on this, to what degree does that help keep the veteran players honest, sort of close to their roots? Because you think about the number of players, you mentioned a number of those guys that you listed, Gary, not too far removed from the American Hockey League. And in that league, it's, it's a hardworking league. Those guys are trying to prove themselves. You work hard, you're going to get a promotion, right? So they're not too far removed from that. And then, Shane, to see how these guys are doing that, and the guys who've been around a little bit longer, if you want to say James Neal or David Perron, those top-line players, they're seeing the younger guys with that work ethic, like I say, maybe keep them honest to an extent. And that's what drives good teams, right? Internal competition. That ability to have the push. And and it's not a bad thing to be a veteran player. Hey, I played a whole career in a position where I knew there was always somebody younger trying to push their way and push you out. So that drives you to be better. I think Look at Derek England for a great example. I I think he had some. He struggled. He's played his best last two, three games. He is a completely different player. He's picked it up a step, and, and that sometimes you don't want to get comfortable in your position. And I, 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 by no means do I think I do. I have a ton of respect. I love the way Derek England plays the game, but he's picked it up. So a veteran player at a point, it doesn't allow them just to, you know, kind of ease into the position and think, okay, I got a spot on this team. You see these young guys pushing, see their hunger, their drive to play the game to maybe elevate their position on this team well that pushes those guys and 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 that's all about that internal uh, you know competition we talked about and i believe uh, that that's what drives really good hockey organizations is is having that push from underneath well we talked one of the things we touched on and you mentioned it two or three times now shane is um their work ethic and how hard this team works and the in the the pace they play um the the ability to put pressure on other teams and i guess what we wonder is is it sustainable and my thought would be it better be. It's going <laughs> it to have to be. It's going to have to be for this team. Now that's. It's just. It is what it is. I mean, I, I think it was. I was talking to. I think it was Eric Hollow the other day. He said, "Look, let's be honest here. We're not going to out talent." A lot of teams around the league, they're not naive to that. They don't have a, a Stamkos, an Ovechkin, a Kucherov, a High and McDavid. Um, if they're going to have success and if they're going to stay in this and push for a playoff spot, that work ethic. You know, they, they've yet to hit the twenty game mark here yet, but that. It's a long way to go. That work ethic is going to have to be the blueprint for how they have any success. It, it has to be the blueprint for them, exactly. But can they sustain it? No, nobody can. So that comes to me is, is a fact we just talked about these young players is learning different ways to win hockey games because sometimes you're not going to feel it. So how else are they going to do it? They're going to have to figure it out. And we, we saw in the first game, how did they do it? Well, Marc-Andre Fleury. Brilliant to net. Yeah. They've had some great, and I should, Malcolm Subban against St. Louis was sent. Uh, Oscar can say every goaltender has had a little piece. So you need that goaltending. Or you need that forward. You need 
you know, opportunistic guys where you're going to need the James Neal or, or to, to be able to score that big goal when things haven't gone right. So it's winning different ways when that work ethic. But the work, work ethic to me is the base of this team. It needs to be there as much as possible. But they can't sustain it for a full 82, so you have to develop different ways to win game, and that's through structure, that's through uh, you know opportunistic times to score or to, to check a big save. Um, and that's, you know, every team can, you can't keep this pace for 82, but, but it certainly is the blueprint, as you said, Dave. The This team has been unbelievable at home, as we've talked about, and, um, you know, we've all been to all the buildings in the league, and... You mentioned the atmosphere the other night, uh, Gary. You know the Winnipeg Jets were in here, and but we've seen it with other teams, right? Detroit Red Wings had a ton of fans here. Buffalo, you can go right on down the line. Um, and I guess it begs the question: you know, is this building is T-Mobile now the best venue in the league, the best home ice advantage in the league, is it the best building in the league to to see a game right now? Is you know in a short sample size of of playing you know a few home games, not even ten home games yet. You know, when Chicago and Montreal are full. I think I've heard them louder than what we've heard at T-Mobile, but they, the, the building has to be jammed to the rafters. Chicago normally is. Uh, Montreal not as not as has jammed as Chicago gets. Uh, but when you go from uh, from like uh, on a seven o'clock game start, when you go from three o'clock till midnight, that block of of nine hours. It's the best in the NHL, in it. and I don't. Uh, and I guess Nashville might yeah, be might yeah, be, that be my comparison. Might be the close yeah. second, but like it's what's going on right now when you come down and you go to the park at New York, New York, and all those bars and restaurants are full of people. Golden Knights gear, and 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 uh, I understand some people think it's a negative to have the opposition uh, crowd bring people. To me, there's a couple of factors going on here. And first of all, I compare it to, to soccer in Europe, where most venues, half the stadium is filled with the home side, the other half is with the visitors. They're both singing their own songs and they're spurring one another on. Well, and this is a new crowd here in Vegas. When the Winnipeg fans cheered True North during O Canada, the Vegas fans were like, ah, okay. Because they'd been doing no, a little bit of the, the loudest night, one yet it, yeah. of the night in in the Star Spangled Banner. Right. Well, this was the loudest one they'd ever done, and and it'll stay like that. They, they they're like, okay, that's how they do it. And then every Great time boy. there was a little bit of a go Jets go, uh uh-uh, uh, not in our joint. Go Knights go got louder. So to me, it has the the combination of people wanting to come to Las Vegas and to be part of. You know the great the entertainment capital of the world, and throw a hockey game into the mix. All of these things have created this stew of spectatorship, which is for me, it is uh, it's number one in the league. And if I if you said to me tomorrow, you know, you can go to one game in the NHL. Well, the historian in me might go. Eh, I want to go to Boston, Montreal, or Toronto. Uh-uh. Uh, if I had to take my family and make everybody happy, Vegas. Nashville's the one that I thought of too, Shane. Yes, that's, uh, but, you know, and you think about what they did in the playoffs last year and through the Cup final and that whole lower Broadway area, and we're, you know, we're we're by, we're partial because how much we love Nashville as a city. But um, they did an unbelievable job with that. Now you can't do that there. You know, not going to close down lower Broadway for every home game. You know, so that's the one thing that Gary said they've got the advantage here of the park, the plaza, the fan march. 
the weather, right? You can't do this in Boston, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg in the middle of January. But here, you know, you have all those things that, that play into it. But I think Nashville would be, I don't know, it would be a, I'd, I'd flip a, it's a pretty damn well, close put, race. And, and it goes back. We've heard it and we've used it. You take, you take a, Sports building, you put on the most entertaining street in the world. You right. have there's perfect marriage. How does it get better? Uh, I know I it won't ever happen, but I'd love to take a game off and to go if I'm going to do it. It's, it's, I know where I'm going. With, with I'll be out front of the New York, New York, and uh, yeah, I'll meet you guys in uh, after the game uh, somewhere out there, right after in the park. It's uh, someone. So, someone from Winnipeg said to me the other day. No one else can do this. You've got an outdoor escalator, like you know the escalator yeah. <laughs> from New York, New York into the into Toshiba Plaza. They're like it. That escalator is sort of the example or the the symbol of what you're able to do here because it's Vegas and they think huge and they think big and the weather is the great. weather's a big part it's, of it. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. That 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 escalator freezes up in. 20 of the NHL's markets by, <laughs> Along with by the January, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys, yeah. let me throw one word in there, and, and I know this is going to seem simple, but fun. If you go to a lot of buildings, it's very much about the latest controversy with the team. Oh, this guy's not playing well. And you've got diehard fans. Don't get me wrong. That's a great thing about some NHL cities. But the overwhelming emotion when you come to a Golden Knights game, it's fun. And that goes back and forth, even with the opposing fans. There's no acrimony. There's it's no not, angst. It, There's right. no angst. It's the not like, yeah, say, yeah. going to, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to pick like a North Carolina Duke basketball game where the fan bases truly despise each other. Yeah, yeah. Here it's very much a, a back and forth. It's kind of fun. Hey, welcome to our city. Hey, we're going to come see you guys. It's very much kind of just sports fans enjoying themselves, even if they are rooting for different teams. And that's what sports has become in 2017, and it's going that way in hockey. You cannot rely just on the product on the ice and I'm a player this has become an entertainment business and nobody's doing it better right now than Las Vegas yeah. it's an event winning an event. is obviously yeah winning's going to help but not every the team goal can. Of, of everybody but there's 31 teams it, the Stanley Cup gets handed to one team so if you're going to base your whole thing on just that, you know, thirty teams are going to fail. So uh, the approach that uh, uh, that we're seeing unfold before us here in Vegas is, uh, well, I think it's modern has changed just meant it, but I think it's sustainable as well. How many? Uh, how long? How much longer can they go through this? They've had success here, guys, with four different goalies win games. <laughs> so, you know, how much longer can this can this continue? If I had told you before the season that. Max Legacy would have played more than any goaltender for them by the middle of November. You would have thought, you know, you'd look at me stranger than you usually you do. Wouldn't think have, you wouldn't so, think they had 10 wins. No. So that's my, you know, and I, I guess my thought on it is they've been able to do it, you know, and, you know, Dave Pryor gets, uh, he should get a he ton of credit here. Uh, you know, Legacy was saying to us the other day, he goes, what I like about him is he's honest either way. If I'm playing well, he tells me. If I'm crap, he tells me. I'd rather have it that way than just sugarcoat it. And I think that direct approach is, has worked with all these guys. But I think what has also benefited them to a degree, their schedule hasn't been, you know, I know the road trip was busy, but... You know, there was a back-to-back uh, early and late. But if you look at their schedule now, the games are spaced out. There's not that much of a... Yeah. I think that's kind of benefited them, too, where, you know, they've been able to get some practice time in, and, and they've got they've been able to have success here with different goaltenders. And they have. Is this sustainable? Well, to me, it is until, and this is no disrespect, until they get to Dylan Ferguson. Yeah. He's a 19-year-old kid out of junior. You hold and your breath. It's, right? you know... <laughs> 
it's a difficult situation. Uh, but it, it is at its point now. They'll ride Max Legacy as long as they can and hopefully get some health back. That's But it, it can't go beyond this point. Nine wins the Vegas Golden Knights have. I just I misspoke. I said ten. Um, to me, yeah, I think that Mc, George McPhee needs to be really cognizant of uh, watching to see that the that you know if they get scored if the team gets scored on scored on early in a game that they don't start to behave to play differently as a result of that. And, and if that happens, you got you have to be. I think you have to look to act on that. The problem is, what's out there? Like, what's the solution? R- Reed O'Bara? Like, uh, it's got to be somebody, not to disrespect him, but it's got to be a better answer than what he, ha- than what he has. And, and then you get everybody back healthy, and you're back yeah, in a situation with numbers. So Malcolm Subban was, was, on the ice, uh, was on the ice this weekend, so uh, I think that's... Uh, uh, if, they're, if they're through the woods, almost... I think you just you hold tight and and you and you expect your players to to battle through it. Uh, two things. Uh, first off, preview on fact check. They do have ten. Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping you're keeping right track, dude. I, like, yes. I just went to the standings. Take a look right here at the end. If you're keeping track, Dan, when we get to the end of this thing, don't jip the team. Keep that in mind. Yeah, just just pointing it out. It's it's amazing that Gary had a number, then corrected himself, and the correction was was incorrect. But but I did want to point out one thing with regard to the goaltenders, guys. I hate you. and that's that while and and i think that there's some truth to it that there is the goaltenders have not been the number one reason for any of the five losses and plus the one shootout loss there has not yet been a clunker from a goalie where you would have to pull him like gerard gallant has not yet faced the moment oh geez we've got to pull this guy out of here and put in our number five goalie that hasn't happened yet and i think the other element i was going to mention is that there, it's not as though all three goalies in front of Legacy are out for the year. There no. seems to be some hope on the horizon, however long it might be. The, off. I, the only thing I would say about that is I think there were, I think the Montreal and Toronto games were games that if you had a said when you looked at the schedule before the season, McPhee and McCrimmon would have circled those games and said those are flurry games. Yeah. Those are games at the end of a road trip. They're in a back-to-back situation. We're going to need Mark Andre to go in there in the first period and shut the door. So that we come out of there after twenty down one nothing or 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 zero zero or heaven forbid something will go our way and be up one nothing. I think they were down three one in both of those games at the end of twenty, and that's a really difficult hole to fill in, to, to, to recover from in the NHL, especially when you're a team that's that's built on work ethic rather than talent. Game in Montreal, they were down two nothing eleven minutes in, and I thought to myself, they have not got hammered in a game yet this year. This right. had the feeling of it could it be felt, six to both one. Both of them felt like it was going in that direction. They it turned out not to be, but it, it felt like it was headed that way. It, it, but then going into the Winnipeg game, Winnipeg had won six to seven coming into that game. They had piled, They won five two in Dallas. Shifley and Wheeler were on this tear. I had this feeling in the pit of my stomach, and I worked in Winnipeg for 18 years. I knew a lot of people in the building. I was not looking forward to walking out to New York, New York after the game to talk to people and and have them say, "Yeah, we drilled you five nothing or whatever." You know, it's funny. I went out 
over there after the game, and no one wants to talk hockey. They all <laughs> it was, it was great. Right. Yep. Hi, Gary, so, we miss you. Sure you do. easy. Handing out cards. <laughs> Weather's beautiful in Vegas this time of year. Yes. Hey, yeah. uh, Shane, just, we should just touch on the defense situation here. Uh, Shea Theodore's been in, he's been out. Brad Hunt's been in, he's been out. Um, do you see that continuing? or As a former veteran defenseman, what do you size up with the Brad rotation? Hunt, to me, has deserved a spot in the lineup. I'm going by play. Shea Theodore, I understand the talent. But there's a perception out there that everybody thinks the American Hockey League is a bad thing. D-man take a little bit longer. He, he, he's coming to games, and maybe he needs a little more time. And I'm sure he'll get another opportunity. But as of right now, Brad Hunt deserves to be in the lineup. Shea Theodore has not proven that he does. He has not played well enough to be in the lineup. It's as simple as that. And I think, you know, kind of the thing they've done. And that's why we've seen Brad Hunt. That's what George McPhee and Gerard Glan have talked about. There's, there's, there's a reward here. You play the right way, you play. And I think Brad Hunt uh, at times has been their best. Def- he had a great stick. He had, hey, it was Wheeler. He had a couple guys coming down that are hard to defend. He gets his stick in that right area. He's, and that, he, he's 29 years old. There's, there's a hockey IQ you develop. As a defenseman in certain areas, understanding players, and he has that. He's going to develop that ahead of Shea Theodore. Theodore's got to learn it, and he needs to play to learn it. But him playing in Chicago, he came with a ton of confidence. It didn't carry over to here. But it will. It will. He will be a very good defenseman. Just right now, to me, uh, he has not proven that he deserves to be in the lineup. Uh, uh, one thing, Unless there's injuries. I would say this. First of all, the Brad Hunt thing. Confidence. He he is a confident player. Yeah. No matter what the situation is, I I would disagree with you that uh, on. I don't think it should be Brad Hunter or Shea Theodore. Uh, not disagree with you. I just I don't think that that well, should yeah, be. Yeah. To me, that shouldn't be the decision. Brad Hunt deserves That's what to Dave be. Threw at me. Exactly. Okay. Sorry, Dave. Bad question. Uh, <laughs> it's it, reading it, the outline. It, it, I was shouldn't, by it shouldn't be either or. It should be Shea, Shea Theodore needs to play, and I think he should play. It doesn't have to be Brad Hunt that comes out. It, it, it can be a rotation. Well, I'll say this. Then right now, he is from play of life. I watch the six. I don't see him ahead right now with his play that he's done. No, I, and I agree I agree with that as well. And I'm not being but, hard but, on... Oh, I am being I, hard on Shea Theodore. I think he has I the think, talent to be one I of the top he has two to play or four D-men. Absolutely. I think with what McPhee is doing, what they're what they're trying to do here... Oh, yeah, he's going to get looking after today and looking after tomorrow... I think he needs to play in the NHL because he's got to he's got to figure out that pace. I think he's the American League. He is has dominated there. Now he's got to figure out how to be that guy in the NHL. And for me, the only way to do that is in the NHL. How many games to give him? But not at Brad Hunt's expense. I rotate him in. I, like and maybe it's every other game. Yeah. Okay. You know. And I, I England sits for a night. He goes in, and then maybe they go back to the other six, and then the next what kind night, of message with that center of the room. If, 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 you got to give him. You got to take give him a Derek England out. You got to give him a little bit of rope. You got to see how he plays. Derek England's going to need some rest. <laughs> Does he know that? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, and, and let me I just. Not gonna, that's that's. I, I'm, not, that's I'm, not, I'm not circling him. I'm. I'm saying. No, I know. I know. I would rotate him in. And I. I. I what message would it say to, to the team? We're trying to get one of our players better. Well, remember that they gave him basically two cracks. He played that first game and he hadn't practiced. Remember that was. I don't want to yeah. use the word excuse, but that's the talking point afterwards. Hey, yeah. he didn't have a practice. Gave him a couple games off. Practice a little bit. Then they gave him not one more, but two more. 
for. Yeah. And that was his second that's chance where, to yeah. say, okay. I belong. Okay, so if he doesn't belong, then fine. He's got to go back to Chicago. He's got to play. He needs to play. He can't yeah. sit yeah. upstairs. And I just went with Hunt Theodore because that's basically what it's been. Like, if one guy's come in, yeah. the other yeah. guy's exactly. going out. And Hunt no, no, and Miller you know, seem to really have something. Right. I want yeah. a You're different right. page. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go, yeah, do the great point is Hunt and, and Miller have got it's something going. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, blind yeah. squirrel. Yeah, I was going to, that's a rare great point uh, for Dan. <laughs> so, I'm winning right now with Gary in the 9-10 and now with that. Matty knows how to butter me up. The other part of that there, though, is like what message does it send? It's that competition factor and if you know that if you're not at, if you're not playing your best, that there is a guy that, like right now, they're, they're, they may be comfortable. Here's where I'm that coming it's Hunter from. Theodore. And I think the other guys should be in that mix. You have a bad I, night? Yeah. Theodore might be coming totally, in for you. Totally. And, and everybody in that room sees, gee, Colin Miller and Brad Hunter playing pretty well together. We see it. Obviously, the teammates see it too. Uh, one last quick note here on the team before we get on to uh, segment number two. We take a look around the NHL and, and hit a few different topics there. This Vadim Shipashev thing has finally been put to bed, Goodbye. Gary. Uh, yeah, and I think it, <laughs> and, I, I, uh, this is so damn. And, and Shane, it was heartbroken to see how this worked out. Uh, but no, I just think at some point, right, it's... Tried something that didn't work. It's not yeah. the first and it won't be the last time. And I, I'm disappointed in the fact that the, like, the player didn't give it the full, yes. the full opportunity to work, and 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 I get it. He's thirty one. He's played in the KHL. He's been a star. He's like, what do you mean I'm going to the American Hockey League? What do you mean I'm going to ride a bus? I, I I understand that, but the other part of it is, look in the mirror. Your play isn't commensurate with the, your teammates in the National Hockey League. You no. need to work on your game. It's a you big need adjustment. To, you need to adjust. Yeah. And twenty, thirty, forty games in Chicago. Uh, would would have given us all an opportunity to look at it and go. It, it may have been five work. games, it, whatever, right? You know what I mean. He needed to assimilate to the pace of play. He was behind. He wasn't. He, he wasn't thinking quick enough. Wasn't making decisions quick enough. And he stuck out like a sore thumb. So uh, I think it's. I think it's disappointing from an organization standpoint. And and not to. I wonder if sending him the the first time does didn't. Start this down, uh, down a road that resulted in in a premature ending to this to this relationship, which I think is disappointing because he had talent. Well, the first time they said it was it was a numbers issue, which yeah. it was. But he did the he, second time it wasn't. It was a performance I, I get issue. That. I get that. But I when, know what you're saying. Though, once that you sent him down head. that first no, time, you're, yeah. you're like, he's like, what, what's going on here? Am I a member of this team or not? Am I? Did you, are you paying me four point five to come here and produce, or are you sending me? to cool my heels in Chicago for a couple days because of some roster thing. Like, what's what's going on? Well, the reality I, I is get, he'd be get getting that. the same dollars in the American League as he's getting here. He'd get more because there's no escrow in the well, American Hockey League. He got a raise point. when he went to Chicago. And the only other thing I would add to it is, guys, they won eight of their first nine games. There was no need to cram him into that lineup. <laughs> They were having but, success but he, without but, him, but he wasn't. He had cra- a little. He, he they had a, signed him to a I know big that. contract. Oh, I know. Before they selected any of those other players in the expansion draft, I know he had a spot. There's not cramming him in. It well, just what didn't I'm saying work. is, if he wasn't play, if he wasn't playing as well as other guys, yeah. How do you pull those guys out when you won eighty your first nine you, games? You don't. You, you can't don't. do that. You don't. So you know, uh, the, the press box in the American, <laughs> the press box in the American, sheriff are, drove him to the airport. Are two different things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, you know? No question about it. And I see. I understand what sheriff's doing because. If you're gonna if you're gonna have George walk into that team into that room and demand that work ethic and 
He's got to be transparent, and it's got to be, if you've earned your spot, I'm going to reward you. And to to go against that, you know, be, it makes that message fraudulent, and Gerard Gallant's never going to do that. Chris it's, Lee, uh, Kempine, and Kempney, there's three names that dominated over in the other leagues. Uh, Chris Lee was the leading scorer defenseman, tried to Kings camp. He didn't make it. Uh, there is an adjustment from playing over there where you're successful on big ice. You have more time. You can come down the wall in the offensive zone. You can stop, come to a complete stop because they're just going to defend and keep you to the outside. You can stick handle this and that. You come here, you stop moving your feet, you're done. And at 31, that is a tough adjustment to make. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast coming to you from our studios in Vegas. Hashtag SLGND. And a reminder, Golden Knights fans, don't fight for a parking space when you're headed to a Golden Knights game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile ad, uh, app and score perfect places to park in the preferred spots of the Vegas Golden Knights and all the preferred garages. Go to Los LasVegas.ParkMobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's www.LasVegas.ParkMobile.com today. Get your parking space ahead of time. Don't for, uh, fight for it on your way into the uh, game, the night of the game. So the podcast continuing. We're going to take a look around the NHL here, and I guess we start that look around the NHL with some of the elites in the NHL, the Hockey Hall of Fame, having their induction ceremony uh, in Toronto this week, Dave Andrichuk, Mark Recchi, uh, um, among others, but we, we kind of wanted to get into, you know, Paul Correa, Temu Solani, attached at the hip all those years in Anaheim. Um, you know, we're going to kind of, it's going to lead into the quiz. Danny, you ready for the quiz? I think you, you just set us up beautifully. Okay, okay well, as, just please take over from here. As usual, I can't do everything. the go, segue was seamless. <laughs> seamless or, very, or stumble through. Take your pick. Well, you mentioned Tamu Solani and Paul Correa, and uh, you might say that those, uh, no disrespect to anybody else, the headliners, and when you, we were in Toronto, you saw the, all the portraits hanging up outside the Hall of Fame. So if you had to pick just one, would you go Tamu Solani or Paul Correa? Am I going first? Sure. No, why not? Um... I thought Paul Correa was a phenomenal player. I would, I think Correa, you know, the injury thing shortened his career, and I'm trying not to. You have to. It's all part of his equation. Um, I just thought as a, as a total player, as a full package, I would take Correa over Solani. I know Solani was a phenomenal goal scorer, and I know the rookie record and all of that. And um, but I thought as a, as an overall talent, you know, we had it's a little bit of a tangent, but. Uh, you know, when I was in college, when he played at the University of Maine, and we had this conversation one night over some beverages when I was in Boston. Who's the best college hockey player you've ever seen with your own eyes? And I said, Paul Correa, hands down, was unbelievable. He had 100 points in 39 games his freshman year at Maine and won the Hobie Baker. So I'm probably a little bit, I don't say jaded, but that's part of where my mindset comes from. I just thought Correa as an overall player and as just a, a unique talent. It's too bad that his... Um, his career got shortened by the concussions and the injuries, and I know I think Shane, you had pointed out to me there was a there was a, uh, a story done on TSN, I believe, about you know he's kind of living right yeah. on the ocean in California and he surfs and he's not really involved in the game much anymore, which I think is too bad. But I thought he was a phenomenal, phenomenal talent as a player. Fourteen hundred and fifty-one games, fourteen hundred and fifty-seven points, six hundred and eighty-four goals. He won a Stanley Cup. Uh, to me, uh, Temu Solani. He won the Calder. He won the Rocket Richard. He won the Bill Masterson, Masterton. He had a, a glorious career. Uh, came over at a time when scoring was uh, was you know 
it was not a dead puck era, but then continued through the dead puck era. He scored 48 in 06 07. Yeah. Now that's uh, at that like scoring had really started to slow down. This guy played with speed, took care of his body, and played for uh, a very, very long time. Uh, to me, Tim Slani is a guy you could build your organization around on and off the ice. He is uh, the quintessential Hall of Famer. And a record that will never be broken, that rookie scoring. Not exactly. a chance. And, and what world-class guy is, is Solani? A brief encounter with him when I was part of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, but I, I gotta, I've got to go off the board. i got to go with Mark Recchi, uh, former teammate, 2011 Stanley Cup champion with the Boston Bruins for his third time in his career. And, and to, the oldest guy to score a goal in a Stanley Cup final at 43. And what he did at that time. So you talk about building a franchise. I take the guy that's got three cups under his belt, the guy that played till he's 43, 1,652 games. That is just mind-blowing to me. Both Salon, anybody that has that longevity in the game and then throw up 1,533 points. What did Recky just a quick aside. And he did it the hard way. Yeah. He was not a perimeter player. And I'm not saying Salani and Korea, but they would be more... To that, Recky sure. was and not a big guy. They call him a wrecking ball for a reason. Right. He, he he had no problem crashing, banging, going to the front of the net. You know, back in the day before what we are now. Let's go back to pre 0405 lockout. I was there. How you battled in front of the net was you try to cross check the guy as hard as you could out of the way and knock him down. That, that's what it was. You tried to get the, the point between the elbow pad and the shoulder pad right on the arm. If you could get a guy there in that soft spot, you'd call it numb arm. It would go, your arm would go dead, and you couldn't have feeling for a few moments. So he did it the hard way, and he did it for a long time. Just picked up another couple Stanley Cup rings being part of the Pittsburgh Penguin organization the last two years. So he's got five now, but won three as a player. Uh, tremendous leader, tremendous person. Yeah, so, I, well, I'm obviously biased, but uh, that's my pick. The, the Kamloops Blazers. Yeah, in a Western Hockey League, let's put it there. I know he's not no Maine and college or whatever Ghost you're talking about there, but <laughs> played, played in a hard league in the Western the Hockey Kamloops League. The Kamloops Blazers were kind of a, a, a floundering organization, and they didn't draft him. They let him go to the new Westminster Bruins, and he scored uh, 41 as a rookie, uh, with, with, with 21 as a rookie with New West. And then finally in Kamloops, there was such an, uh, an outcry. We, we got to get this guy back. They went and they got him. He scored 61 uh, goals and 93 assists for 154 points in 87-88. I think they won the Memorial Cup, which was the start of a run where Kamloops became this power in uh, in the Western Hockey League. He built that franchise. Yeah, it's on Mark Recchi way. When you, when, where the, now he's the, an owner. The, the, the building, and he's a part owner. So uh, this was a guy that was you know or, overlooked at the draft. Everyone said he was too small, da-da-da-da, and fought adversity throughout his whole career. He's a, an excellent choice. The two things I remember about him, Shane, from yeah. the, the time in Boston was um, I want to say it was in 2009, the Bruins lost the seventh game to Carolina. Yeah, I remember round. that. Yeah, thanks for bringing it yeah, up. Yeah, we were there. It was a good time. Overtime. <laughs> Overtime, Scott Walker. And um, the night before Game 7, do I remember this right? Recky had a kidney stone removed. I believe He was so. in agony and played the seventh game. Yep. And then the other thing I remember about him, and but I just... But he's much younger than, you know, yeah, just 40 was, or whatever. only 40 then. <laughs> the other thing I remember about him was he had that great quote, and, you know, just from a media standpoint, he used to talk about what it takes to win a Stanley Cup is what are you willing to do to get out of your comfort zone as a player? Yeah. It's one thing to go through the regular season. 
But when you get into the playoffs and you're in the sixth and seventh games of the grindable playoff series, what are you willing to do to get out of your comfort zone to help your team win? And he would know better than most with the three Stanley Cups as a player and then two more as a, as an executive with Pittsburgh. I think that the, uh, the background on the, uh, the college stuff in Maine is awesome. That's great stuff. Thank you. Now, let's just point out. Thank you. The, the, I couldn't the, agree what, more. What about Mark Ricky Way? I couldn't. No, yeah, I was yeah. no, no, the owner of the team. I, 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 there's more to come. I, I, I only well, began with Dave because he went first. There's here with the college kids. Yeah. We're going to uh, have to you know, revisit this later on with yeah, some of the fact check okay, things. But, but the, there's great stuff in terms of careers. We're looking and examining everybody's career in this conversation. You know, then you wonder, okay, if you had one of those guys for one game or if you're starting a roster, you know, you can talk about it in different ways. I like how you presented your arguments, though. It's, it's good stuff. Okay, this was, this was one I, I know that Gary was excited to, uh, to bring up. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of all these players, uh, you know, their primes and their, their origins going back to uh, the 80s. So given the uh, connection here to the 1980s, you get to pick an 80s hair band perhaps i know gosher you're kind of the, the music i'm a musician right yeah, Go ahead, well, yeah, press yeah, on. you yeah. are oh my goodness <laughs> are you on like music jeopardy or something so we'll start with you the, the, the sigh and gary right. is what, what, you've this got guns and roses beauty. coming to t-mobile uh, you've got you've got gnr that's right so you've got these guys who maybe came up in the 80s so it seems to make sense so gosher this is your your territory Pick us off. Well, you pick your favorite '80s hairband. That's right. Is that what it is? Hall of Fame '80s hairband. Well, it's yeah. hard to go against Bon Jovi. Ooh, buy, and I know your Jersey roots. Yeah, to be. yeah. No, well, you're just he's, trying to win at the end. Yeah. Well, you know, there's so many I could throw out, but I'm just talking about like, yeah, they were a bit, you know, they were a hairband, the, but they their longevity to me, I got to be honest with you, is kind of blown me away you know when the, if you went back to the what was it when Sli- slippery went wet or whatever the hell the album was in 87 she's a little runaway she's a little runaway whatever oh it was boy, you thought here, eh? i could sing a few <laughs> bars if you'd like <laughs> she's a little runaway um Ripped but i think just from a longevity standpoint um uh it's been pretty impressive because i figured right. after two or three years they would be all right like so- striper or Dokken. they would just fade into the sunset right, so gosher's got bon jovi. bon jovi they cut their hair Bon Jovi was is an actor now. It's uh, uh, anyways. I was once monarch. I was once dumped by a girl in grade eight for a guy who turned out to be Sebastian Bach, lead oh, singer, oh, lead singer of Skid wow. Row. Grew up in my hometown. His kid brother Zach Burke played, played goal. goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and his sister Heather Burke. Runway model in Paris, father David Burke, an artist seen uh, who was uh, had gallery shows in New York City, but not my favorite band. No, not at all. Did that ease the pain though that she dumped you? Well, the youth gone wild. Yeah, not no, at no, all. No, not at like, all. Okay, no. all right. Quiet ride. Come on, feel the noise. The greatest hair band anthem of the 1980s. It's not even open for discussion. Oh, wow. I think we're going to have that discussion. Uh, the lead yes. singer. Who's the lead singer? <laughs> Who's the lead singer? Come on. How do you not know these things? I don't know. Kevin DeBrow. Oh, yeah, Kevin DeBrow. I think sadly. Sure. No oh, yeah, longer oh, yeah Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. I like the Skid Row. I love Skid Row. Youth Gone Wild. That's, I grew up probably here. If anybody grew up in the closest thing to where 80s metal hair bands was, that would be me in Nipah, Manitoba. Where if you've seen the movie Dazed and Confused, you just flip hockey for football. And you've got my hometown. You go on the cruise routes. You look for a little, uh, you know, bush party somewhere, a keg stand. The music. We used to have a meat truck. A guy, his dad owned the meat 
the butcher shop and he had the meat truck. So he'd come out, he'd put a speaker system in the back and he'd roll out to the party and you'd throw like a, a buck when he went in and you pay and he'd roll the back of that up and there was the tunes and you had the, the fires going. Anyways, there's so is many there bands. A, is, there a, is there an answer to the yeah, question? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I love White Snake. Here you go again, which I think a better anthem than uh, Come On Feel Pretty the good Noise. Video. But you know what? You guys are nice, song. but you guys pick these soft, fluffy bands. Well, quiet, right? Maybe, but Bon Jovi, you know, neat, prim, Never proper. I got to go with the crew. The crew's uh, not the crew. crew. You, you know, these guys home. epitomized what it was like to party and to live in that 80s time. They did it right. They did it hard. I don't know if they're going to live long, but hey, Vince Neil. <laughs> Vince you know, Neil like is a regular. Vince Neil is a hanger out. Hang around with Mangello. You got the essential drummer, Tommy Lee, who you know did everything there. Yeah, it's he just did everything all right. GRR is up there. But yeah, Motley Crue was the band for me that, you know, a little bit of, they had everything. They had the power. Power ballads, uh, they Home can rock it home. out. He mentioned Whitesnake, so uh, uh, additional question for 50 points. Lead singer of Whitesnake was married to what supermodel? Is it Tani Katane? Yeah, well, 50 points for 90. Wow. Well done. Wow. And what Don't you remember dancing around on the car? Who can forget yeah, that, that video? video? Right. And what was her claim to fame later on? She baseball player she beat up. Pitcher? Oh, lefty? I know he's a pitcher. Chuck Finley. Oh, my gosh. She got... Accused See? of abuse. I get more points for she knowing was, half of that. She was, yeah. <laughs> she they, he called the cops. She didn't on look her. like she did on the car. No, Anyways, that, that video was uh, what a lucky car. Ooh, well, let's yes. uh, move on from that <clears throat> to some safety. So we'll go back to hockey. We <laughs> saw some some terrific talent during the road trip, guys. Among them, one of the game's brightest young stars in Austin Matthews. Another one coming up for the Golden Knights when they they head north to Edmonton and Connor McDavid on Tuesday. So, those perhaps are the two among the brightest guys in the very beginnings of their careers. Who would you take, Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? Um, at this stage of the game, I still I think McDavid's just phenomenal. And I know that you know they've had their, their struggles a bit as a team this year, but some of the plays I've seen him make even this year, well, first off, his breakaway speed. The, the goal he scored early against Calgary, I think, when he started at his own, the dot in his own zone and raced up the ice and beat everybody. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. The pay, the play he made recently, I think it was on an overtime goal maybe, where he, he had everybody beat, he pulled up, and he fed, uh, I forget who it was who scored it. Drysidle. There you go, Drysidle. I, I just think his... His ability as a game breaker to me is uh, is unbelievable, you know. And I I saw it last year, and I've seen it again this year. So. Is it the one against the Islanders? Yeah, that it sounds right. Yeah, like, yeah, that was yeah. I'm trying to think. He of plays the, play. the game at that a different pace than everybody yeah. else does. Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason alone, but his gifts offensively and how he sees the game and his, the variety of ways he can beat you as a player, whether scoring goals or setting up goals, I would take him. Well, for full disclosure, I wrote a column about a year ago stating that I thought Patrick Laine would one day be a better player than Austin Matthews. Kind of clanged. Not one of my. Not one of God. my. Not one of my best. Uh, not one. Not, not my finest hour. However, got a lot of reaction from Leafs fans, which is always good. Always good to poke yeah, the barrel. Out. Out. No I think Austin Matthews is uh, is going to catch Connor McDavid. I think there's uh, the 200 foot game and the way he has taken. He has revitalized that franchise, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like that, you the Leafs are uh, they've got a lot of nice pieces. You take Austin Matthews out of that group. They're 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 not much of a team. No, he just the, missed his first game of his career. I mean, and and just against the Golden Knights, there was the question whether he would play. Yeah. And you saw how critical he was in allowing the Leafs to beat the Golden Knights yeah. on that particular day. How valuable he is. He's their number one center, and uh, McDavid is Edmonton's. Uh, 
I, I would think Edmonton is probably a little bit ahead of Toronto right now as a team, uh, but there's uh, not not in the standings. Up front? Not in the standings, but... Uh, you're, you're telling me McDavid plays with more talented players than Matthews? He's got Lucic, he's got Dreisaitl. No offense to Lucic, and he doesn't play with Dreisaitl all the time. He has Patrick Maroon. He's made both those guys better players. Sure, yep. He doesn't have, you know, Nylander and Patrick Marlowe and all these fancy yeah, Patrick guys. Patrick Marlowe's on the third line. He doesn't play with but Matthews. But there, there's so much Nylander more talent is, up front for yeah, Matthews. Hyman is sure about they that. they play with, yeah. Hyman, uh, anyways, Nylander, and at Matthews. the end of the day, I think Matthews is going to catch McDavid. I'm going to go with Matthews. I'm going with McDavid, and for the simple reason, the way he skates... It's like Bobby Orr when he came in the league, or Paul Coffey, the way. Mm-hmm. And for somebody to do it at the pace of the game today it is truly outstanding. I think there's one guy I'd rather defend. Probably neither of them, but I probably wouldn't get ice time against him. Uh, but it would be Matthews, uh, just because of McDavid's sheer speed and his ability to switch gears. And um, and he's already proven it. He you know, won the awards last year, so... Uh, as of right now, and Matthews, I think, is a tremendous player. He, he's so strong for his age, and he's, he's mature beyond his years. Both terrific players, yeah. but right now, for me, I'd take McDavid. You can't help but wonder the trajectories of their careers, given the cities in which they play, and the success, and then how we will think about them once they retire, given what Toronto does, what Edmonton does, or if somehow something crazy happens and either one of them move. Uh, well, the other thing, just to add to yeah. that real quick, Dan, you know, you look at both those franchises, they were... In real, real rough shape. Right. One of the reasons why they got those right. guys. Even yeah. with Edmonton, who had all those high picks, Nugent Hopkins oh, and Yakupov, yeah. you go right on down the line. Mm-hmm. And it never really seemed to get any better. Now, it finally got better when they, they made it, they traded Hall, they brought in Adam Larson. But, you know, where those franchises were compared to even, you know, they still have a ways to go, but both back in the playoffs last year and, you know, heading in the right direction. And it took really generational players like these two guys to really put them in that direction. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Matthews or McDavid move anytime soon, but we did see some names move just last week, and of course, we were talking about Kyle Turris. We had just seen him in Ottawa. He ends up in Nashville. Duchesne ends up going from Colorado, part of this three-team trade. So, remember, Ottawa, within a win of going to the final last year, of course, we know how close Nashville was to winning it all last year. Colorado in a rebuild mode. So, given the, the shuffling of the the, those players there and what else is going around the league right now guys if you had to pick your 2018 stanley cup champion or even perhaps uh conference champions who would you go with right now if i was going to pick a team that, that i think right now is a complete package and i, I look at them and i don't see many weaknesses is tampa bay yeah that's they've been they could they just went through california and i know last night was a little bit a couple nights recently a little tighter game against san jose they go into L.A., they win. They go into Anaheim, they win. They go into San Jose, they win. They, you know, and it's a lot more than just, you know, stamp coach. Kucherov has been unbelievable. The depth they have in that lineup. Headman on the back end. No, there's one big reason. Vasilevsky in that. Absolutely. No he question. does not get the credit. Yep. You look at his, since Bishop has left. And he took over. And you guys probably got your computers, and I should have the stats, but I didn't get enough time. Uh, it is remarkable, his record. He is a tremendous elite goalie. And I think he's better than Ben Bishop. I think it was a great move for them. And, and they knew that, too. That's why they were allowed to do that. This is a complete team. And, and you talk about winning. They win, you know, a, was it 2-1 last night against Anaheim? But if you want to go toe-to-toe and you want to play the other way, they can beat you 8-5. Right. They, they can do everything right now. And 
they, you know, the LA Kings are looking pretty good, uh, St. Louis. But if I'm right now, to me, Tampa Bay is the top of the league right now and the favorite because of all those pieces. And yes, Kucherov, Stamkos, they've got some grit and guys like JT Brown and uh, Just Ryan Callahan. Yep. They've got a great mix throughout with a solid D, but to me, Andre Vasilevsky's just a tremendous, tremendous goalie. Yeah, they've covered all the ground here. I'm with Tampa on both these guys. This is the they're the they're the, they're the they're the lead horse right now. Everybody's chasing them. And no doubt. And and you mentioned Vasilevsky. You guys know I got to see him in Syracuse for a couple of years. And they were at a point where they still had Ben Bishop. They were shuffling him between yeah. Tampa and the American League just so we could get games. It was clear even a few years ago. And Steve Eisenman was at the Golden Knights game the other day. A little break between uh, his West Coast trip. And he's... Let's just say pleased. With I how saw him at 2013 going. World Junior Championships yeah. and watched him and covered him there, and you knew there was something special. Yeah. 13, one and one. Yeah, Vasilevsky right now. Yeah. I'm going to call myself and a screw up because you'll do it later. <laughs> you wonder if <laughs> it was tighter be, against Anaheim to kick the hell out of San Jose. You wonder yeah. if Eisenman is looking around for that one final piece, you know, because he watched Winnipeg play in Vegas, and then he went over to Arizona and watched Arizona and Winnipeg play as well. You wonder if uh, he's just kind of thinking, I could add one more thing here to make sure, because the, the, the window's open for them, and uh, Stamkos is at his very best. Right. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Stamkos, Kucherov, and you know the bridge contract they offered to him, and then Vlad Domestikov as yeah, the complimentary piece. I mean, he's never quite had that in his career before. So, there you have it. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think we're all in agreement there. So, uh, we, <laughs> we saw the Patrick Lyon a shot the other day. Does he have the best shot in the National Hockey League? It's one of the top three, or even top two. I, you know, I'm going to throw Ovechkin in there. Uh, I usually you mention Stamkos, but right now Kucherov. So Kucherov, Ovechkin, and Line. Line has just a, a unique release and ability to shoot. Uh, it's certainly one of the top, top two, top three elite shots in the league. Well, I give it to Line because he, no, it's not just the clapper. He's got that wrist shot that he gets off just in real, real tight proximity. If he can't go with the heater, he goes with that, and it's got a lot of zip on it as well. I go with Line also because he's the best player in the NHL, according to me. A year ago. <laughs> right. That's right. You there better you stick to your guns yeah, there. Right, That's yeah. right. Keep stay with your argument. Uh, yeah, I'd say Line. And I, you know, it's funny. We were watching warm up the other night, and Shane was like, "Man, this guy can rip it." I yeah. Rip it, rip it. I and I'm sitting, like, yeah, I was. I was sitting. And sure beside, enough, three seconds into the power play, he ripped it. I was sitting beside Dave Pryor when that goal went in, and I turned to him and I said, uh, "How does Max stop that?" And he <laughs> said to me, "Well, first he's got to see it." <laughs> and it wasn't disrespectful. It was just just hope you get in the way. You know, he didn't hear it, let alone no, see yeah, it. No. Well, speaking of uh, seeing things for the first time, the Golden Knights will see the LA Kings in a regular season game coming up on Sunday, and the Kings and the Golden Knights, of course, top the Pacific standings so the rivalry gets going you know there are going to be some kings fans making the trek up la's had a terrific start vegas has had a terrific start as well what ingredients do we need to see in the first matchup to get this rivalry off in the way that we hope it will become well it always takes a little nastiness right you know i, I think some uh some uh, dislike and that might take a little bit to build to be honest with you but mm-hmm. You know, the close proximity of the teams. I mean, it's, what is it, a 45-minute flight from L.A. to Vegas? Something like something along those lines. Um, they could, if, if We haven't seen if the Kings fans will travel or right. not, but if they wanted to, they'd jump in the car and they they're drive here. It, and, fly uh, yeah. Could yeah. be a lot of black and silver in the building for yeah. that night as well. And it's been good to see, you know, L.A. is a team that, 
you know, missed the playoffs last year, right? Make a coaching change. Off to I know they've recently lost a couple in a row, but so what's it going to take for it to be a rivalry? I think it's it's going to take a little time, but yes, develop some nastiness, you know, some intense games, some close games. This is down the road. Do they meet in a playoff series? That's where I think that's a, where rivalries a, a are really built. Exactly. Yeah, the exactly. fact that they're sitting so close right now right. and they're battling for because of the games. If, if one team's at the bottom, it's pretty tough to build. Yes, you got the close proximity, which really helps, and you want to build that rivalry. But the fact that they're both sitting at the top, there's going to be something to play for. There's some meaning to this game. I think builds that everything else, and this is going to be interesting to watch how it does develop. Two things: we need a really good Drew Doughty. Trash talk quote <laughs> after the morning skate, you know, say something like, ah, they're an expansion team. They're not really, we're, we're, we're already looking ahead. Something like they that. They won't you know? say that. Eh, Dewey says some stupid stuff on purpose sometimes, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and then Jonathan Quick to slash somebody in the, in his crease. He's pretty, uh, he's, he, he wields that, uh, that lumber pretty good. So uh, that could happen. Those things, get those things yeah. going and, uh, and then, I think I think you've got uh, you've got a good basis, and then on the Vegas side of things, eh, you know, William Carrier, uh, he has become one of my favorite players for the way he finishes checks. He eliminated uh, Kulikov from the game the other night. He had Toby Enstrom looking over his shoulder all night long. Carrier gets in and uh, closes on uh, on one of those Kings defensemen with a big hammer, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the building's awake. We'll finish with this thought between the Kings and the Golden Knights rivalry. Unlike, say, baseball or even minor league hockey, it's not as though these teams are going to play 12 times. It's four times. Yeah, they're going to need a playoff series. Yeah, right. so, so yeah. again, just so, so they go down, the Golden Knights go down to Vegas, or pardon, to Los Angeles on December the 28th, and then in February... Back-to-back games in L.A. on the 26th and then in Vegas on the 27th of February. So only four games. But those that back-to-back in February, I wonder what the standings look like then. Interesting stuff. But that, uh, Dave, is all for the quiz. I will uh, start tabulating and back to you. Yeah, get back. Get your calculator out, your red pen. We appreciate it very much. There it is, right there. Yep. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast continuing here. And time now for the SLGND Guest of the Day, brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. A Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. For more information, visit www.rockcreekcattlecompany.com. As our guest of the day today, we're happy to be joined by the Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League, Bill Daly. Golden Knights in the defensive zone and a takeaway. Here comes Hella. Sets up England in the middle into the zone. Drop pass Perron, right wing. He shoots and scores! And our SLGND guest of the day is brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. For more information, check it out at Rock Creek cattlecompany.com. So we had George McPhee as a guest. He was our first guest. We weren't sure if that was good luck or bad luck for him a few weeks ago, but we've got NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly 
we should say we're, we're sitting in New York to do this here, right at the NHL offices. So. Is this something that you open up to just, obviously just anybody, pretty much? <laughs> in a dark studio room with no, <laughs> with no windows, we, we, uh, but we, we do put rubber on the walls. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah we make, uh, we, we actually have tried to use the, the office as a spot where all our clubs coming through town can utilize the office. So sometimes we have some owners in here, some managers come in. Uh, Jamie Horn of our player relations department brings players in here uh, to, to, uh, to do some media and, and to meet with the commissioner and myself. So, um, we, we, we do try to use it as a, a, a hub of activity. When did the office get you know this high tech? Because uh, the last couple of years when you have the, the player tours, the car washes, the office is used for a lot of that. You do some things off-site, but a lot of media are here in the offices. When did you kind of, when did it go from just being an office building to being a studio and all these other things? Well, we moved uh, to this particular building in 2007. So as part of the building or the office design uh, at that at that point in time, uh, we built in the capacity for studios and and for our really our technology. So it's it's been uh, it's probably been about ten years. When you got to the NHL, content wasn't really something that uh, that the league was that involved in, and now it's become a massive part of the business. Yeah, I think the business has changed a lot. Uh, I've been with the league now for a little over twenty years. Um, and certainly at the time I started, professional sports was a different business. Uh, um, you know, it was more about kind of uh, our games and, and live attendance at our games and kind of licensing our rights, uh, either to sponsors or, or uh, licensees. Uh, we have been become much more of a content company where we, uh, we create our own content and we distribute it. When you, you mentioned a little over 20 years for you now, Bill, when you thought about getting involved in the NHL, what were some of the, what was your thought process and what led you to jump on board? Well, I mean, I was uh, a lot younger at the time, so um, uh, it was an opportunity that came along uh, and presented itself. I, I grew up uh, in New Jersey, but I grew up a huge uh, hockey fan. Um, uh, I wasn't as good playing the game uh, as I was watching it, but uh, I played it through high school and, and uh, was always a, a very passionate about hockey. It was always my favorite sport growing up. I was a, was a better football player than I was a hockey player, but um, you know, I, I, I went into uh, private law practice, worked for a law firm that did a lot of work for professional sports entities, um, the NFL and the NBA and the NHL. Um, and so my opportunity really uh, arose uh, from that work um, and I started here as a lawyer, uh, kind of the chief uh, legal officer here at the league um, and uh, you know over 20 years that's kind of expanded uh, with time. You're a running back in football. Is that uh, did I hear or read that correctly? Yeah, I was a running back in football. It's hard to believe when you look at me now. Huh? <laughs> oh no, not at all. I was going to say, so no severe injuries. Survived. Um, you know what? I, uh, I I will say I blew out my knee, uh, tore my ACL my my freshman year of college. Um, got surgery on the knee. Ended up rehabbing the knee the whole, whole year. Um, spent the whole year in the gym and basically I changed the way I played football. I was uh, my, my last three years of college I was, uh, uh, was kind of right up the middle kind of guy um, and when I was a freshman I could still run outside. Nice. <laughs> it changed. <laughs> so growing up in hockey and I everybody so now you work for league back then uh, what was your team? Was it were you Devils being New Jersey or who's the player? No, who's your idols? I'm I'm old enough uh, that I can say the Devils weren't around when yes. I became a, a, a hockey fan. So I, I grew up a huge New York Rangers fan. Uh, my dad was a Rangers fan. 
Um, his company had season tickets to the Rangers, so he got to go a lot um, and was very passionate about the Rangers uh, all the way, you know, until I joined the league, basically. Your mom is Canadian, though, from yeah. from, from the Prairies, from, from Saskatchewan, correct? That's correct. That, where Saskatoon, Shane played, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Where Shane played, uh, not in Saskatoon, but played a lot of his junior Prince Albert, in, yeah. in PA in, in Saskatchewan. So was she kind of the driving force that led you to hockey, or was your dad just a big sports fan and hockey was part of it? I think she may have led him to hockey. Okay. Um, you know, by the time I realized hockey existed. He was a big fan already. Uh, she was a fan too. She wasn't as passionate about the teams, you know, um, she just liked the game. So, uh, but she did grow up, you know, the, the Gordie Howe's time uh, in and around the same place. So uh, she had some, some unique hockey stories for sure. So you, you know, you, you came as the chief legal officer, now you're the deputy commissioner. And I always find it fascinating because I'll go to an event and Gary's in charge of uh, of some things, and you're in charge of other things, and it's deputy commissioner. It suggests that there's a bit of a partnership between between you and the commissioner. How do you decide who's going to do what? Uh, well, he makes those decisions. <laughs> uh, it is a partnership, but he makes those decisions. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I think we work with each other really well. I mean, I do feel sometimes when I go to an event with him. Um, you know, I, I'm really redundant uh, in a lot of respects because, um, you know, understandably so, people want his answers and people want his views, um, and mine are less important in those circumstances. Having said that, um, you know, we, we uh, you know, when we uh, divide those things up, and he can't be everywhere uh, all the time, so, um, so certainly there's a lot of functions where. Uh, I'll I'll be the spokesperson for the league and and he won't be there. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean so much from the the outward face, but you know, there's a file that that gets flopped onto your desks, and then how do you divvy up sort of who's going to do what in terms of the actual you know the the real legwork, the real work of of a file? Yeah, I mean we have a discussion over it. it you know, it depends what the opportunities are, who who the invites coming from. Um, and what the event is. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, in terms of day-to-day -day activities, um, his focus, at least currently, is is more on the business side, and mine's more on the hockey administrative side. Um, but again, I think we uh, we complement each other well. I, 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 there's nothing, there shouldn't be anything that uh, he does that I can't do, and vice versa. So, like, who's the entrepreneur between? Like, who looks at a looks at a, at an opportunity and says, "Well, this is we can license this, we can generate revenue here." Who comes up? Like, who sees that side of it, and then who sees the logistic side of it and the legal side of it? Is it is it a, a big mix? Well, you, you've been around Gary enough to know how bright he is so you know he's always thinking for the next big idea but we we have a very talented staff of senior executives uh, in in the different business areas uh, all of whom you know are, are there for a reason and um, uh, you know we're very collaborative in that way we uh, we have senior staff meetings regularly we had one today um, in which uh, you know we we share those ideas and we talk about uh, issues affecting the league and the next big idea and, and uh, ways we can continue to grow revenue and, and add visibility to the sport, which is uh, continues to be important. So Bill Daly joining us, the Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, our guest of the day on the SLGND podcast. Um, obviously, Bill, there's a new team in the NHL. It's the reason the three of us are here. Um, 
When there was talk of expanding to Vegas, what were your initial thoughts about it, and what's been your impressions from the outside looking in over the first month or so of the season? Uh, well, I mean, really kind of the ideas about having a franchise in Vegas or potentially having a franchise in Vegas goes back a number of years. Um, and what I'd say is, you know, and again, I'll give uh, Gary a lot of credit for this. I think we were uh, more prepared than other professional sports leagues to look at Vegas as a potential market sooner. Um, I think uh, that, you know, there, there's always been a lot of talk and continues to be talk about uh, the fact that sports gambling exists in Las Vegas and how does that impact uh, whether you can or should have a franchise in Las Vegas. And I don't think that one issue uh, ever scared the commissioner away uh, from that market. It was much more uh, a, an equation of understanding whether the market itself could support uh, and would support uh, on a long-term basis a professional sports team and in particular in our case a professional hockey team. Um, I think uh, you know the, the, the season ticket drive that we authorized Mr. Foley uh, to conduct a couple of years ago now um, to kind of gauge the interest uh, of the local fan in Vegas was was critical to uh, really getting the board's head around whether a team could be successful there. We, we always knew that there would be corporate support and corporate casino support um, for a professional sports team in Vegas, but we also realized that for a team to be successful long term, you would really need a local fan base, uh, not just necessarily a tourist fan base or a player uh, fan base uh, from the casinos. You wanted people who lived and worked in Las Vegas um, to support the team. And I think uh, the season ticket drive, uh, which had enormous level of success with really no promises, um, where people were putting their own money uh, down on kind of the, the hope that there would be a professional sports team went a long way to showing us that there, there is support in the Las Vegas community, not only for professional sports, but for professional hockey. Bill, uh, since I retired from playing, I've been part now of the last two significant changes in the NHL. Lana going to Winnipeg, I was there for that relocation, and now being part of Vegas here from the start. And uh, For your guys, you couldn't have two polar opposite, the absolute polar opposites, Winnipeg with what happened there and a team going there and then Vegas getting this team. And you touched on it a bit, but when you guys really analyze the potential of a new market, how do you, you come to the conclusion when I look at these two places, how different they are and working in different ways? Yeah, for sure. And they've both been enormous successes, yeah. right? So I, I think Winnipeg is a, is a really good example um, of kind of a, a market, a relatively small market, actually, by, by uh, modern standards, a very small yes. market that is passionate about the sport. And, um, you know, the, the Mark Chipman and, and his group uh, were very convincing that that, that passion itself uh, was enough to um, kind of convince us that, that uh, the team would be successful there and have success over a long term. And they've been there six, seven years now, and, and that passion hasn't abated for sure. And the, the club's been very successful with uh, really only one playoff appearance. So um, certainly it's proved that model. Uh, I think Vegas presents a totally different model. Yes. It's a non-traditional market. It doesn't have a hockey background. Um, it certainly uh, has an appetite for professional sports, but for this club to be successful, it needed the right ownership, and it needed the right management, um, and it needed to connect to the community in the right ways. And, and uh, to 
to Dave's earlier question, I mean, the first month of the season and really the months leading up to the first month of the season showed that they're doing everything the right way. And they've really generated the enthusiasm and the commitment and the support. Um, uh, and certainly the record on the ice doesn't, doesn't hurt when there's a little success going on. But it's, uh, it's been a remarkable story uh, for sure. The NHL exists in markets that have all four sports, all four major sports. So uh, um, how much time did you spend worrying about, uh, about Vegas as a market and, and another major sport coming along? The NFL's coming. The Raiders are coming. Yeah, um, uh, you know, obviously, at the time, by the time the board had to make a decision on Las Vegas as a market, um, the the prospect of the Raiders and the NFL moving to Las Vegas was a very real prospect. Um, uh, probably more likely than not. So that was in all of the governor's heads at the time they voted in favor of Las Vegas. Um, you know, I, I think obviously there's some competition for some of the local dollars, but I don't think it's necessarily um, a fan-to-fan -fan competition. Um, I, I, I think there's clearly enough uh, space for, for two professional sports franchises in Las Vegas. I think to the extent there's competition, it's probably going to be on the sponsor side to a certain extent. Um, but you know, I, I you know I think they're they're different sports. They they play in um, somewhat different seasons um, and a different kind of competition framework. So I think they'll be fine. It's interesting. You talk to you know CEOs of of big companies in Las Vegas, and they tell you having both both entities is a good thing because it legitimizes the market has a major sports market and it does uh, uh, you know listen a lot of these guys are casino heads they look at it as more people are going to be coming are going to come to Vegas we want both both entities we're going to support both entities and make sure both are successful yeah and certainly there's something to be said for being there first which the hockey team is there first and and you know it's really a, you know laying down and establishing those roots which are important it's all, they're also different in the fact that you know the Golden Knights are Vegas-born, the Raiders are a transplant, and there's a uh, already there's a different feel about the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, being part of Vegas and being of Vegas and created within Vegas, which is which is real neat. You mentioned earlier the big idea, the next big idea. Uh, you sent some teams to China this year, and uh, uh, I don't know if you have a, an office in China yet or in Asia yet, but uh, probably not too far from uh, probably not too far from that. What, what is the next big idea in terms of broadcast and in terms of globalizing the NHL? Well, I mean, I think you've seen an evolution on the broadcast side, um, f for sure, in terms of how we package and distribute our rights. Um, you know, the, the, the you know, first the NBC deal here in the United States was kind of groundbreaking for us in terms of the, the amount of rights uh, that were packaged together and sold uh, in that uh, in that connection. Just explain that a little bit, Bill, please. Well, the, the uh, it was the first time, um, uh, really ever, I believe, that we sold all our national uh, broadcast rights to one entity. Um, so NBC uh, obviously has an over-the-air platform, but they also have the cable platform and the channel they were they were building with NBC Sports Network. Um, so uh, so it was uh, kind of a unique one-stop shopping uh, type contract, which we expanded upon in our Canadian uh, broadcast rights deal, where we packaged in digital rights as well. 
in our in our uh, package to Rogers. So, um, you know, it, it's a rapidly changing landscape. Uh, I think you have to be nimble uh, in terms of adjusting and kind of being ahead of the curve in terms of uh, maximizing the value of that landscape. Um, but you know, professional sports gives you the opportunity to do that because it, it unlike all the other content that's out there, or virtually all the other content out there, the the live uh, programming and not really being as uh, popular to kind of watch a tape game when you know the result um, as as you need to see it live and that's uh, that's one of the benefits and certainly uh, um, one of the value maximizers of our sport so I think the broadcast landscape will continue to change I think it's clearly an opportunity for us to um, continue to create new ways to distribute our content um, to package our content and distribute our content and to connect with more fans um, you know the the digital age really has given us an opportunity that we never had before particularly in the United States um, to market our game and to to exhibit our game to, to fans who might not have seen it uh, before uh, you mentioned international I, I view that as the the other opportunity obviously there's two different models internationally we have um, you know our sport and, and again uh, to its credit and benefit um, has a hockey there is a hockey infrastructure in, in parts of Europe um, and obviously the Nordics and Eastern Europe and Russia um, and then there's an area of the world that uh, hasn't been exposed to hockey uh, really has no hockey history and, and that would be the Asian um, markets and, and countries uh, including China um, and with China in particular getting the 2022 Beijing Olympics um, it's become a government priority uh, to have youth in China focus on winter sports uh, whereas they never have done that before ice hockey among them um, uh, the, the leader of China hopes that uh, within six years by the time of the Beijing Games um, some 300 million more children uh, will be playing winter sports so I think from our perspective that creates a real opportunity um, but we need to to uh, execute on that opportunity a little bit different than, than what we do in Europe and more mature hockey marketplace we have to get in there and, and help build the sport on the grassroots level uh, which we've done leading up to these games and which we're committed to doing and continuing to invest in going forward. Um, but we also have to bring the best players in the world, the best teams in the world uh, to play games in China. And that's uh, what we started with uh, with the two games we played there this year with, with the Canucks and Kings and which we hope to continue uh, in the years going forward. Last quick one for you, Miami Dolphins fan. I am a What's going on with your team? Are they going to make the playoffs? Um, <laughs> it doesn't appear so. They, they are four and three. Uh, they traded Jay Ajayi today so, yeah. uh, for a fourth-round draft pick. But um, looks like they may be giving up on this season already. We'll see. Well, we appreciate the time very much, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks for having me. Right, Bill Daly, the executive uh, commissioner of the uh, NHL, joining us in the SLGND podcast. Can we redo the... Um, uh, we, we can't use that last pick because we're going to hold this for a week, and they made a trade today. Can we just uh, re, can we just redo the last question? Sure. Great. Perfect. We don't even have to have the dolphin question. You can I just threw it in to be yeah. funny at the end. It, it, it is funny, but do you want to do? Give me. Can you leave the trade answer out? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and the record and the date. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> what you should say. Sorry, everything will be dated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you gotta get, you got to print up a script for him to yeah, answer a exactly. question. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you're a big Miami Dolphins fan. What's going on with your team? 
Um, I've had an inconsistent start, is what I'd say, and uh, the the prospects uh, for this season are a little uncertain. They they surprised a lot of people last season. Um, I like their head coach. Uh, they got some pieces, but they got a ways to go. Bill, thanks for the visit. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. All right, Bill Daly, the Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League, joining us as our guest of the day on the SLGND podcast. Jets get it deep. Around the rim, it comes to the left corner. First man there, Derek England. Now it's Pisa. Touches it along. Riley Smith. Wax it off the side wall. Now wax it to center. Here comes Carlson by himself. Thanks and scores! So the hashtag SLGND podcast continuing from our studios in Vegas. And a reminder, fans, if you're looking to add some Vegas Golden Knights gear to your wardrobe, stop by the Armory, the official team store of the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena. Stop by today and get the newest team gear, including the hottest jersey in sports. The Armory entrance can be accessed right through Toshiba Plaza in front of T-Mobile Arena. All right, time now for... Raise or fold, and um, you guys think of choreographed celebrations, be it uh, football, hockey. Um, you know, they, they seem to crack down on them in the NFL. I know you had a you had a tweet from uh, Bert Breer, who's uh, Albert a, Breer, Albert yes. Breer, Bert Breer from used to be the Boston Globe, and now the NFL <laughs> Network. I don't know who he's writing for now, but uh, he's excellent. He's terrific. Um, talked about in the CFL. This is right up your alley, lawman. CFL, um, there was a, a uh, can you describe the celebration that yeah, he talked they scored, about? They scored a touchdown in, a, in the, one of these CFL in, contests. In the, the East Final on the weekend, and they took one of the players and held him up like a bar, and then the other player that scored the touchdown limboed underneath him, and uh, Albert Breer said it was, uh, it raised the bar, no pun intended, or pun intended, uh, in in celebrations, in choreographed celebrations. So that's the question. Raise or fold on choreographed right. sellies. Let's let's fold. start let's start with Shane because we it's a real mystery what he's yeah, gonna say. I just said fold. Yep. Yes. I, I can't stand it. I know and that's wrong. I you know what I'm probably gonna stop talking because they'll say no something fun. I'll regret. No just I, I do not enjoy them. At all? No, I enjoy I, them about as much as I enjoy baseball celebrating a champagne after a win when you've yet to win anything. I am in total agreement. I'm in total agreement with Nighty here, and 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 I'll give you Good one points. I'll give you one <laughs> trying to influence the voting. I'll give you one hockey example because the the, the, the thing that I, I I believe is problematic now with the celebrations because they are choreographed and they're thought of in advance, right? They're they're planned out beforehand. The goal of a, of a sporting event is to score a touchdown or score a goal. And if in doing so you want to celebrate, that's wonderful. But it should be genuine. Yeah. And, and the goal is not the celebration. You should be proud of your achievement like Barry Sanders, score a touchdown, hand the football to the ref. That was it. But I'll give you one hockey recollection. We were just talking about Nikita Kucherov. I called his first goal in North America at the professional level. He scored it, and I'll never forget, peeling off from the right wing circle and into the corner and that's where all of his teammates converged okay guess what Kucherov skated away from all of his teammates skated out to center and did a huge knee bend and fist pump that was the last time he did anything remotely close to that because guess what and Shane you know as well as anybody in hockey that don't fly. No, I know. I'll say hockey, it's different in football, and I understand. Yeah. My favorite celebration was, and I forget where it was, where the guy did the celebration and pulled his hamstring. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> Wasn't there a quarterback that he, he, he tried to headbutt himself into the wall? There was a quarterback for the Redskins, maybe, and he went and headbutted the wall 
and fractured a vertebrae in his <laughs> neck. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, it, it just detracts from, I mean, you Gary should likes it. relish in the success of your play. You shouldn't have to do any of these funky celebrations to uh, to feel better about it. I'm told I think that was Gus Ferrat that did that. <laughs> <laughs> the goal or the touchdown is the centerpiece. Not what comes after it. So the Tamu Solani shoot the glove down no, after that, he broke the rookie record. That's a little different. It was, you know, it was in the moment. It was, but you remember the goal and what it stood for more than yes, the celebration. Yes. Yes. To me, that's the that's that's why I would pay to go watch an event to watch the act of of prowess and grace and athleticism, not Big what words. comes after. So we yeah. raise on spontaneity, we fold on choreographed. Yes, I, I, I am in total agreement with that. Okay. That's well put. All right, so, so that's that our... Great. Wow. See, I did that. They don't pay me all this money for nothing. slept Jared. a full four hours <laughs> last you, night. I did. <laughs> Very tired, but pushing through. Mention Stephen Stamkos, 30 points as we speak. Leads the NHL. He's on a phenomenal team. Raise or fold. Is he the best player in the game right now? Lawman? Well, right now at this moment, absolutely. This is uh, he's his team is the best team. He's the best player on that team. They're on fire. I'll, I'll give Stephen Stamkos credit. He has been through some real difficult injury issues. He's managed to train his way back into his peak form. I'll raise. I think what he's been able to do after those injuries is remarkable. But I fold. I don't think points determine who's the best player in the league at this point. Uh, maybe because I'm a defenseman, or but any position. There's so many other aspects either than points. I think Stamkos has been remarkable. Like Kucherov, you can go through that team. But right now, I think it's 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 hard to save you. If that's the point, maybe he is. But I think there's been a lot of other great performances around the league here early on. I um, I would fold because I think Kucherov has just been such a game breaker for that team, and I give Stamkos full marks. I mean, I. Were you there, Cher? I can't remember this now. When Stamkos broke his leg in Boston, were you with the Bruins at that point? I can't remember no. on that when he crashed into the post. All right. I mean, I remember calling that thinking, this is this guy, you know, how serious is this? And he, is yeah. he going to be able to come back and be the same player? He went through the health issues. Uh, was it blood clots uh, yeah. last yeah, year? And, right. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and full marks. For and by the way, Vasilevsky had something overcome. similar. It wasn't quite yeah. as severe, but it's uh, he could worth be mentioning as well. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, you, I, it's I easy to it. look at the best team in the league to look at the best player. But I think you know, I take a lot of what Shane says. You know, you, you think about first of all, Kucherov has twice as many goals as Stamkos has. Yeah, that's number one. Uh, though Stamkos has one more point, but you also look at you know what other roles are they serving? Um, and you know. We, we we love to talk about Riley Smith because with the Golden Knights, not only is he reliable at even strength, but on the penalty kill, shorthanded. I, I tend to value that kind of a player. Stamkos, of course, is a power play guy. Uh, we, we know that. But the, in terms of all around, that's my only hesitation there. But I, if I had to pick one, I would have to go with the best team and therefore Kucherov. And I know that's kind of a conflicting argument right there, but I, I, I'd have to go with Kucherov. I think he's their best player. I think Kucherov right now, and I no no disrespect to Stamkos. Um, How about Vasilevsky? Disrespect him? Yes, I just evidently yeah. I did. Yes, um, raise, <laughs> Sheriff's a big Vasilevsky guy. I like it. Blue like guys it. one one and one is the back. Yes, by yes, the way. yes. Fighting is down. Razor fold. Fighting is down. We're seeing less and less of it. Uh, do we get to a point, razor fold, where a guy's going to get kicked out of a game for fighting? I can already see the sheriff's eyes rolling in the back <sighs> in his head. I'll go last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, what do you think here? I'll say fold. Dan Duva? I, I, I'll say fold. And and there has been the push to mitigate 
the fighting, but not just fighting, the staged fighting. What is planned out before a face-off, the enforcer on this team, the enforcer on that team, they're going to drop the gloves. It seems to me that's what has really kind of capped uh, cap this conversation. So, But in the course of a game, how can you legislate out something that is so ingrained in the players? It, it would have to take much, much longer. I guess I could. You never say never. I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime. I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime that that somebody gets kicked out of a game for one, you know, a run of the mill fight as we know fighting is today. I fold on it. Because I hope it never gets to that stage. Yeah. And look, I I'm with you. You know the and and look, it's a quantum leap. Throw in a tape of a game from the '80s when they bench clearing balls oh, yeah. and you know and and a lot of the stage. I mean, I'm with you on that part of it, dudes. I think that, but there's a lot to be said for a well timed fight. Right. In terms of if your team is just doesn't have it that night, it can change the tone of a game. Right. And that's not quite uh, a it, choreographed stage no, fight either. No, it's, it's one with a purpose. We need to change something yes. here. Right. Um, Turning point in the game. The other part of it is if you're going to throw guys out for fighting, good luck trying to protect your best players, your skilled players. And they're going to, you know, it'll be open. Right? Why wouldn't you go after a Crosby? Why wouldn't you go after a Kucherov? Why wouldn't you go after after a Stamkos or an Ovechkin or a Line? If they're going to take, if you're going to get kicked out for fighting, that that's a whole different that's a whole different kettle of fish. So I I, I fold on it. I hope it never gets to that point. Now I want to preface this by saying I've always respected the guys that did that job uh, tremendously, and it's. Uh, it's not a fun job. There are not really any of those guys. No one left. There's no one left right, in the no. league. And it's really, also worth that, noting that, that most of those guys did not start out intending to serve that role. They, no. they were very talented players at a certain age, but in order to move up, they had to take on a different role. Yeah, well, and guys, you know, lose their opportunity, lost their opportunity to be players when it, when it became apparent they could fill that role. Anyways, it, it, Gary Bettman said this morning, Fighting majors are cut in half again uh, from from last year. So uh, five years ago, when I first started to kind of look into this issue, I would have told you right now uh, I would have raised on this. But it seems like uh, it's it's leaving the game organically, and to me, that's the best way for something to happen. Because it, let, let's say they they do, you know, make it a a, a game misconduct for one fight and immediately throw you out. There's going to be a major tactical shift, and maybe Dave's right. Maybe the you know prime players are going to get run after. So having that element still available, even if it's not used, if it's protecting the best players, and I'm not sure you're right. I you know I don't know if I might not be. Well, no, you might be. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. Like the the evidence would be anecdotal at best. Uh, so who knows? That being said, I'm more for the organic solution, and if it's going to eventually just be removed from the game by the players themselves, uh, I think that's the better solution. So, shockingly, I will fold on this. Maybe I should raise. Maybe I think we should raise. We should suspend the player for fighting. Headshots, I think we should take slap shots out of the game because they're dangerous if somebody gets hit with one of them. And then the sticking, too. And uh, we should just you know, pretty much make it an adult rec league. Uh, of course, I'd fold. Uh, I think there's still a, <laughs> there's still an area for it, and it, it is cut down. I have, and believe me, I have come a long way from what I used to be. The, I agree, the stage fights and everything, and but it's still something that you know, in the heat of the moment, when you're in game action, there's just certainly some things that are gonna happen and I have no problem it is one of the it is the most emotional, well, not the most, but one of the most emotionally charged sports you can have. 
and there is a time and a place for it, and I don't want to see the game go completely away, but it is, it's trending in the way it is. And, you know, usually the game will take care of itself. The players will make the adjustments they need to make. Uh, I still think it's headshots and those things that cause way more damage than anything else and sticks. So, uh, to me, you still you still need a good fight in the game, a well-timed fight. Uh, we're certainly not going to see them that much, but they are going to happen, and they're going to happen because that's the spirit of the game. And it won't won't see as much. You'll even see it. Hey, you go to a rec league. There's still guys that are willing to. I, I played in charity games where I've seen people try and go after one another. It's part of the sport to me, but it is certainly uh, right now, and then Gary mentioned, it's been cut in half, and that's the way it's trending. So uh, the sport gets faster and faster, but with that, there becomes danger with the hits. Uh, I'll be interested to see where that goes to body checking. I think that may disappear before anything. Really? Pull that right out of it? Or, I'm being or, serious. Yeah, no, I'm I, it's just because of contact. You you don't want to make contact to the head, but and I think we've already seen hits dramatically decreased in the game. Did you Does start, it make worse? I don't know. Yeah. It's up to the fans to decide that. But the the, the physical hard hitting games very rare now. You'll see body checks, but you, I'd be scared to hit someone now in case you make contact to the head, or you did it yeah. too hard, or you're second too late, or. You know, any of those things, because it's hard for me to determine a hit now, which is, is it interference? Is it checking to the head? Is there intent there? Is it, it's a tough job, George Perros has. Real quick, did you start any of the chi- uh, fights in the charity games, or no? No, I did not. I did one, I remember, between uh, the firemen and the, and the police officers back home. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I remember I was on Cats the bench. And dogs and there was a, uh, I remember the, the sergeant, I was on the, the police team, and the game started, and he used some great words, but he called don't let these hose jockeys do anything referring to the, to the firemen. Like there was, it was like, what is going on out here? I just try. There's like the fans, are, you know, got kids in the yeah, crowd. Just get along and then here, sure please. enough, it, what was uh, the Dennis Leary uh, uh, TV series uh, Rescue Me? Yes, uh, he was. Uh, he, he was a fireman in uh, in New York City and playing played hockey and yeah. sucker punched a, a cop and yeah, uh, they, 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 they go. They, huh? they don't like each other. No, not at all. All right, so we all fold on the fighting part. Last one for Razor Fold. The Pittsburgh Penguins right now are a wild card team in the Eastern Conference hanging on to a playoff spot. So do we Razor Fold on the notion that this, and this would be two Stanley Cup hangovers, are making them potentially a non-playoff team uh, down the road come April? Well, I think I'm going to raise. I, I think that the loss of Marc-Andre Fleury has uh, put a lot of pressure on uh, on Murray that I'm not sure he was ready for. And Fleury was the ultimate insurance uh, uh option for them and we saw how brilliant he, no no Mark Andre Fleury in the first two rounds last year and there's no Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and they'd be we wouldn't be talking about a hangover right now so uh, uh, I don't see Pittsburgh winning the cup and uh, uh, do I see them making the playoffs the east is pretty pretty diluted pretty watered down so I think they might get to, might get in but think about this they're a wild card team Washington is out right now mm-hmm. Philly who is much improved is out right now Pittsburgh's in for a fight of their life. I'm going to raise that they don't make it. 
Does it? They don't win or they don't make playoffs? They don't make the playoffs. I'll, I'll fold. I think there's too much talent on this team, and uh, they'll make the right moves if need be, but they'll find themselves in there. This is, uh, you see this from many teams, a little bit of a slow start, and it's still too early to, to put judgment on them. They're too good of a team. I think you'll you'll see them, but I, I agree. Marc-Andre Fleury is a huge loss for them, more than people would have thought, but they'll still be a playoff team. I'll just throw in the idea of long playoff runs we saw it eventually catch up to tampa bay and you can go down the list of other chicago teams. missed one year right. after a big run yeah so i mean it's LA. just the, the, the two-month grind is just so much and to do it and even with success a couple years in a row and pittsburgh has been playoff team year in year out i i wonder to what extent that catches up to them i feel that they would still make it but to go on a long run, I, I think they're out of gas. I fold on them. I think they make it, but they're out quick. Yeah, I just yeah. think they played That's so much hockey. It's um, it's hard. I just see them it's in play. That was not the question. The question <laughs> was to see if they made. Okay, no. The question is right raise this. or fold. Are they raise a playoff or fold team? them on that being a non-playoff team. I raise. They're, they're going to be raise. But I'm giving you a little qualifier. They're, they, I, raise, I said they're, they're going to make playoffs. Whatever it they is, raise playoffs. or fold, they'll be in playoffs. <laughs> if you raise, they are not a playoff okay, team. Okay, I fold it. If I'm you correct. are a fold, they are a playoff oh, team. All right, then no. I fold. Then I fold, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got it but backwards. you raised, and then you talked about Stanley Cup. They're both going oh to be docked. You, you have docked yourself. What about Wallace? He changed it to them winning the cup. You raised, and then you talked about the winning the cup and then not making. No, I raised. They will not be playoffs. No, then you said, but maybe they'll just get into playoffs, and then they'll not. So they're not. You had three answers at in one. Just make sure day, you got that. My Duva. answer was there was three I answers raised, in there. They're not a playoff. He raised. Team. He said, but I don't see them making, winning the cup. You're about to get a game misconduct for fighting. You're going to be suspended for a game. I'm going to fold on. Yeah, I'm folding on all of you. I'll be this asleep, is, but you'll be suspended. <laughs> all right, so I, I, I so fold, I guess that they they make it, but it's it's, it's kind of an oxymoron. It's very strange. Very strange. <laughs> Wouldn't well, that first point. answer threw everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> well, mercifully, mercifully, we're you down to first. our final segment of the podcast here. Hashtag SLGND. It's brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. And they look forward to hosting you during their next visit. Cheers. Yes. What is it, Lawman? I gave the Chalk Hill Pinot Noir a bit of a workout on uh, Saturday yeah, night. We know the, you did. Uh, yes, the, we uh, saw you at the gala, and it uh, a strong bouquet, good finish, excellent. Uh, review, some notes of tobacco, uh, a little cherry in there. What's it the was, word? Vint- uh, Vintner? Is that the? It was stellar. Now. No, I'm oh, a sommelier. No. I'm smelly. All right. <laughs> well, did you win the contest though? I did not. You did. What'd you yeah. get? Uh, what did I get? Bottle I got a cap. bottle. I don't know if it's the right one. I, I got a bottle, and they tried to take it from me. At the end really? of the night. They tried to steal it twice. <laughs> took, I had to go over and get it back. I don't know if I got the, the right one. You took the high-end hooch. And he the was one. losing his mind. I smoked gauche on that one. Yeah, I had to guess uh, <laughs> had the three types of red. Zinfandel, Cab, and Merlot. All right. And the sheriff here, no problem, because he, he obviously he's, he's had a few glasses of wine in his day. And he got it right. Anyways, so I anyway. recommend the Chalk Hill Pinot Noir. Right. The Good Chalk Hill Chardonnay, very nice too. Buttery, not oaky. Okay, thank you for that review, lawman. <laughs> uh, time to do some fact checking here, Dan Duva. You got your number two pencil out over there? I've, I've we had to use the red pen just slightly okay. more often than, than usual, but uh, th- this is not... Uh, I'm, this is not a correction, Gary. I'm simply going to add to your numbers with Carlson. So this is not points against. This is simply adding to Carlson uh, in terms of 
points per game. He's on pace for 61.5. Goals per game on pace for 31.16. Goals created on pace for 25.42. And let's just say that is roughly three times his career high. Okay, that's just to add yeah. to the context of William Carlson. The one thing I will say, Gary, um, Loops came up short in 88. They lost in the final. So they did not win that year. You, you made reference to it. It was a great year. All the points. Nice going. But, but try. Just, and then the other one, Gary, Shipashev doesn't turn 31 until March 12th. He's still 30. So those are the, the just well, I tell you, there's been three, the there's been three uh, notable corrections here, all directed to the law, man. <laughs> Actually, what was an addition? Not really a correction, but... Yeah, so, um... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot to leave the law, man. If you're Stunned afraid silence. to fail, you never, <laughs> you right. Right. You like like you never achieve anything. You're not, you're not skiing, it's, you're not it's, hard it's worth noting, because, and, and I will... I, I have to point out, because facts are stubborn things, but the other fact is, I would not have recognized that Kamloops had first-place divi- first finishes five years in a row in the midst of that loss in the 88 final if it were not for Gary bringing it up. So I am at the same time as Gary was not quite right. I feel like I'm more informed now because of the direction. If Gary you'll went. recall, I said, I believe that's right. They and, won. And, and I, that's I believed why. incorrectly. Yeah. So all right. I believe, yeah, I, I believe a lot of things believe. that don't happen. Right, so is, so there, is there a first start today, Dan, do, outside of me? Uh, let, and let, no. <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's just do it this way because there's three of you. Uh, let's do three stars. So okay. let's, let's yes. make Gary uh, the, three stars of the, game. the third star. Well, so I now, hope so after all those so corrections. it's between number two <laughs> and number one. <laughs> He's at it. And both, uh, both uh, Gosher and the sheriff had some, some wonderful points today, and I really liked – as I brought up earlier, Gosher's discussion about what Paul Correa did oh at God. college yep. at Maine. <laughs> and, the, steam uh, out, the steam coming out of the sheriff's ears. Yeah, I mean, great. he is still revered there in, uh, in Orono, Maine. Yes, he should be. Um, you know, the, the Temu Solani and the Mark Recchi arguments from the other two guys were good ones. But I, I, I think, really, that if we were to pick one guy, I think Correa might be the guy. Even though his career was not as prolific in some of the records we mentioned, of course, the rookie record with uh, Solani. And both of those guys, uh, Solani and Recchi, played till they were 43 years old, not Correa. Uh, but if you were to pick one guy for one season or one game, I, I think that would be it. Solani has one of the greatest seasons ever. I know. Yeah, I'll agree. Because, because he didn't yeah. go to a clam bake in Maine. Exactly. He's getting, he's getting <laughs> hosed here. Didn't live off the land. you got to go to college here to get an yeah, award. Yeah, I love the Blackberries. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I love today how uh, Shane brought the um, unfiltered opinion when it came to the Shipashev situation and the razor fold with the, the fighting and the celebrations. That's all good stuff. But the reason why Gosher's number two star and Nighty is, is number one in my star. Direction at all. No, Nighty ends up as the number one star because he won the 80s hairband discussion. The Motley Crew is the right answer. Oh. As much as my heart might be, be with the Jersey with Boys and Bon Jovi. Wow, I'm uh, shocked right now that I got ahead of Bon Jovi. I can't believe I, I had to what be as objective as possible. Uh, as much as I was being pulled towards Bon Jovi, plus the Black Bear thing in Korea and Gosher. And the jersey ties. I tried to show you, throw you a bone there with the yeah, jersey. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's good. But, uh, but today, right. 90s, uh, number one star. There you have it. Shane Knighty, the number one star. Oh. Wow! Never got what I played, focus? so I'm happy to get it now. <laughs> he also interrupted you two guys while I was trying to make a good I point. I know, so that my point could be heard. So that's actually oh, why. So now we're, there we go. Well, 
The Sheriff, the number one star this week on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND from our studios in Vegas. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.